Turn with me to the book of Proverbs. I want to delve right into this tonight. I'm very, very glad that you are here. Um, thankful for what God did this weekend. Um, if you are, while you're getting your scripture ready, I'm going to make an announcement again later, but um, if you are not doing anything for Trunk or Treat, please volunteer in another way. Uh, as Jim told me tonight that we could still use some help in the parking lot. We could use some help in greeters. We could use help just in ushering folks. And we need trunks and candy. We've been advertising this on Facebook. And uh, the amount of folks that we have reached is bigger than we've ever reached before. And if just those that say they're interested in coming show up, Usually they bring more than just one person with them. We're, we're looking at close to a thousand folks coming. We have a large petting zoo that's going to be here. We're talking about some crazy animals, not just your normal chickens and geese and pigs. We've got camels coming, uh, all kind of like monkey-looking animals, uh, seriously. And uh, she's got a whole bunch of things that she's bringing and a big bounce house. And so we're going to have a great time. But it's not going to do any good if folks show up and we've got 11 trunks with 1,000 people. So, you know, folks say, well, I'm new to church. Uh, I, I don't know. Hey, listen, if you're here, we're begging so everybody can get involved. And we should have everybody involved. Uh, this is your church. Uh, this is your church. And you should be involved. Go ahead. That's fine. This is your church. You should get involved. Success in church is when folks will cooperate and get involved. Amen? Amen. So thank you for that. Speaking of involvement, hopefully you have filled out your uh, surveys online or got with uh, someone to get it filled out on Facebook. Um, we need those in. We're going to be closing that out here in another week. Uh, we are already preparing for the program that we're putting together for outreach for next year, and it will help us. Trust me, I'm not doing anything with your information except helping us. Uh, we're not asking you to do this to put you on some kind of mailing list or anything like that. I just need some information to help us know where we're at as a church today, where we're going to be at in 20 years from now, and where in the county we need to start focusing our outreach efforts on. That's all we're doing with this. And uh, so please help us. Amen? And cooperate and fill out the survey. Proverbs. 23rd chapter, Proverbs 23rd chapter. Now, Lord willing, uh, starting in November, uh, my wife and I are going to be teaching together on Wednesday nights uh, some Christian living uh, classes to the church together. It's the first time we've ever taught together, and uh, she's scared to death. I'm scared to death she's going to out-teach me. I'm not going to give her the notes until right before church starts. Uh, but we're looking forward to this. It's going to help us. And all right. Amen? Proverbs 23, verses 7 through 9. For as he thinketh in his heart, so he is. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. The morsel which thou hast eaten shall thou vomit up and loose, lose thy sweet words. Speak not in the ears of a fool. For he will despise the wisdom of thy words. 
Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. Do you realize, let me stop right here, we're in Bible study, why it says a living sacrifice? A sacrifice was something that when it was placed on an altar could not get up. And if we're dead, we're doing no good to this world. So we have to be a sacrifice that when we go on the altar, we stay on the altar. That's why he said, I have to die daily. And so we have to stay on the altar. We can't get up and go and move all over the place. We're never on the altar because life gets too busy. So he says, present your bodies a living sacrifice. That means on the altar. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is not too much to ask of you. It's reasonable. And he goes on and says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So I want to talk to us tonight and try to teach us and help us what I feel like the Lord has led me to talk about tonight, is what does your heart say about you? What does your heart say about you? Lord, help us tonight. Help us to receive tonight, Lord. Help me to teach. Help us to get this and, and take it from here and let it be a part of our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn to somebody and tell them you appreciate them. Glad to see them tonight. For those of you that had to do that because of and you really don't like the person sitting next to you, you can repent here. So it's not uncommon and we've heard it preached, and I think that I've preached it multiple times myself here on Wednesday nights, is how much our thoughts impact our lives. And theologians and leaders and authors and evangelists and pastors and, and, and everybody has different viewpoints uh, about life and politics and most of those though, no matter if they're from the left or the right, no matter if they're from the north or the south, they understand that our thoughts are incredibly important and dictate to us. Now catch this, they dictate the trajectory of our lives. Somebody could be on a positive trajectory in their life, going places, doing good things, and all of a sudden let an influence come in and begin to speak to them, and it changes their thought process, and bam, we've lost them. And the trajectory of your life ricochets from the point of the destiny that God had in store for you and now finds its way uh, going to the wayside of nothingness simply because you've allowed your mindset to be changed. Some very popular quotes, most of you have probably heard Henry Ford, it says, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. Teddy Roosevelt said, believe you can and you're halfway there. The happiness of your life depends on the quality of your thoughts, Marcus Aurelius. Dale Carnegie said, our thoughts make us what we are. The Apostle Paul challenges us in his book to the Romans in chapter 12 to not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. And the only way for us to do that is by the renewing of our minds. So the old way of thinking, the old way of being, we have to change that and renew it into something different. And the Greek word here literally means renovation. The Greek word uh, for renewing literally means renovation. So according to Paul's writing in this verse, 
our transformation occurs when our mind undergoes a renovation. Now, any of you have ever been in a home renovation project or any been around any kind of home renovation projects, nothing goes smoothly. You start busting into the unknown and you don't know what's going to be back there. You got plumbing that looks like a blind man did it. You got electrical that looks like a plumber did it. You got electrical that looks like a pastor did it. You got two by four stud walls that look like a pastor did it. You're in trouble. And so when you begin to renovate, you start to find out all these things that, uh, that, that should have been so easy just to change my mind overnight. It's not going to be that, that way. And it takes time. And it takes purpose. And it takes dedication. And it takes tenacity to say that I'm going to renew and change my mind. And I'm going to do this. So we, we know that when a renovation happens uh, is when somebody wants to change the appearance of their home or their business. And it's because maybe something is outdated or broken or damaged. Or perhaps it just just needs an overhaul. A, a mind renovation is similar to that. Maybe it's an old way of thinking. Maybe it's a bad way of thinking. Maybe it's a broken way of thinking. Maybe it's a broken way of how we handle people or situations or events. And so we have to have a renewing of our mind. And may I say that if you haven't had a renewing in quite a few years, it's probably a good thing that you begin to look and see, is my mind up to date? But the question begs to be asked, begs to be answered, we need to really take it in effect, is what kind of re renovation or renewing does my mind need today? Have I got off a of track? Ha am I not thinking the way that I should be? Am I focusing too much on this and not enough on this? Am I going in this direction and I should be changing and going back? What renovation does my mind need? Maybe you're still focused on the broken and damaged thoughts that you have been thinking for years that have got you nowhere. It could be that you've been playing an outdated recording in your mind that somebody said to you during your childhood. You need to have a renewing, a renovation. Maybe you find yourself constantly complaining. I'll be transparent tonight. This bothered me about myself. I found myself constantly complaining. And finally just said, you know what? You can complain all you want or you can do something about it. One of the two. And so when I finally had a renewing in my mind, my life really got better. When I stopped complaining, what do you got to complain about? Well, this is not happening and that's not happening and this is not this and that's... What are you doing to change these things? You can't go into your outdated kitchen and complain because the, the, the stove, uh, the door of it's busted. If you don't do something about it, you're just going to complain about it. It's not going to fix it. You wallowing in self-pity is not going to fix anything. You've got to have a change in your mind. It's easier to fixate, though, on the things that could go wrong in your life instead of looking at the things that are going right in your life or what could be changed to bring you to a different direction. And I know the very first thing that someone's going to say is, I'm too old to change my mind. You want to know what that is? That's an excuse. And one of my favorite quotes is, is excuses are like feet. Everybody's got two of them and they all stink. 
I'm too old to change my mind. I want to give this church a very big compliment that I, I believe in our church. When I, when I have other people come in, they, they believe the same. They say the same thing. It's, uh, we don't have a whole lot of elderly saints in the church. It's a very small populace in this congregation. But one of the coolest things about the generation that's older is they have no problem in going with the flow when things change. When we painted the back wall black and we put up the things, I thought the very people that was going to complain the most was going to be our, our, our more seasoned saints. And the most people that was the most happy about it and, and got giddy about it and was, oh, that's so cool, was our seasoned saints. So when somebody tells me, oh, I'm too old to change my mind, that's just an excuse. Because whether you know, changing your mind and renewing your mind and having a renovation of your thought process has nothing to do with your age. I'm too old to change. That's because you don't want to. It doesn't mean that you can't do it. It's because you don't want to. So don't complain to a little child when they say, you know, when you say to them, eat your broccoli, and they say, I don't want to. When you say the same thing when you don't want to do what you don't want to do. Boy, it got tight real quick. How many of you need a renovation in your mind because you're jealous and envious of others and how they, they seem to live a better lifestyle than you? Change your mind. First of all, you don't know what they've had to go through and how hard they've had to work and the, the, the things and challenges they had to overcome to get what they had. When, when you get a mindset to say, you know what, I, I, I want to have some things that are better than what I have now. You can change your mind to get those. <laughs> Do you feel overwhelmed and defeated by how you view yourself? Do you realize that the worst critic for most of us is self? And self defeats us and beats us up more than, than any uh, minion in hell ever has. Because we know ourselves and we always see ourselves as defeated and we don't see ourselves through the eyes of God and what we could be if we had a change of mind. Whether we usually have a positive outlook on life or we have a struggle in every day with what our minds obsess over, we could all, everybody, use some guidance when it comes to our think, thinking process. We refer to unwanted thoughts as negative or bad, but in reality, what those are are thoughts that are toxic to our body. Now, I do not have a uh, medical doctor uh, degree. I'm not a nurse practitioner. I can barely spell biology, much know anything about it. But one thing I do know is that if you are constantly thinking in the negative, it will physically affect your body. You can, when you get into depression and you get into an oppression because of your stinking ways of thinking, it will affect your body. It will make you sick. You can make yourself sick. <laughs> I said, I got cancer. I know I do. I got cancer. I'm... So you've got to be careful on the outlook that you see yourself and the outlook that you see your life. 
Because those thoughts that we allow to get in there that are negative or bad, they're not just negative, they're toxic. And, and, and most of our thoughts and many of our thoughts have much value and, and plenty of our thoughts, they have great value, but some are incredible thoughts that impact others for the better. Why some of our thoughts can bend toward the negative. And let me explain something to you. The toxicity of your mindset can be contagious if you don't have a mask on. Some of y'all got that little joke. Some of y'all said, he's talking about masks again. Because you can spew that garbage from your mouth and it infects somebody else with your garbage and your toxicity. And it can hurt them simply because of your toxic thoughts and you spewing it out can affect somebody else. So it's true, and I'm not going to, you know, that we can't change every thought that needs changing. We can think about our thoughts and attempt to change the ones, though, that are toxic. There's thoughts that you have in your mind that are, you know, they're probably not good. But there's some thoughts that just, if you continue to dwell on them, and you know which is which, will literally end up killing you. And I don't mean that just in the spiritual, but I mean that in the physical. You can literally drive yourself to do things that the disease that you bring on yourself uh, can, can kill your body, but also it'll drive you to do things and take things into your own hands that you should not do. Simply because your thought process becomes so toxic. And some of y'all already have said, oh, you're going too far. No, I'm not. Because all of us can begin to think about somebody that we have been connected to one way or another. That thought process has literally changed their whole outlook, their demeanor, their face, everything. And has drove them to things that they should not have done. We have to learn to capture our thoughts. It got quiet. Well, let me stay right here for just a second. We got to capture our thoughts because our thoughts could literally take us down a dark enough road that not only will we lose all our relationship with our friends and our family and our loved ones, our marriages, our, our kinship, but it'll also help us to, to lose out on our relationship with God simply on the toxic thoughts that we allow to stay in our mind. I'm going to tell you what the toxic thoughts begin to do. They begin to push you away from an altar. Toxic thoughts begin to push you away from things that you once held so dear in your life that you loved about God. It'll start to push you to do things in, in your holiness that you never would have done 30 years ago. But those toxic thoughts that you allowed to creep in. And I'm going to tell you something. The old saying about like spirits finding one another is true. And, and you, show me your friends and I'll show you your future, is true. And you will begin to listen to that toxicity and it will change you. You get around radioactive material close enough, it will change your physiology. And if you get around somebody whose thought process is so nuclear and everything that they say and everything that they do and everything that they go through, it, it, you've you got to get away from that. Because if not, it will literally kill you and change you, you're going to grow a third arm and not even know it. Simply by being around toxic people. So you have to learn to capture those thoughts. 
Priscilla Shire said this, said, taking thoughts captive means controlling them instead of letting them control you. We were created. You, me, person sitting in front of you, beside you, behind you, were created in the image of God. And we are His masterpieces. What would our lives be like if we lived like we believed that truth? The biggest reason we don't live like that truth is because we have let toxic thoughts run rampant in our minds. You know what? I can go out and drink. I'm not going to get drunk. I'm just going to go and drink. And I won't let myself get drunk and I'm going to be all right. I went to the extreme. Let me go back to the minimal. I don't need to go to church tonight. I, I'm tired. So let me just stay home. Let me tell you something. What happens when you stay home once or twice from coming to church? It becomes very easy to stay home the next time. And easier and easier. And then where something that used to be very important to you to go to church and have a communion with God at church now has become unimportant to you. It's, it's not anything. And when you do come now, it's just out of ritual. It's not out of, I need to be there to commune with God. With people of like faith, that's not important anymore. So we let these toxic thoughts get in here. I can do this a little bit. It won't, it'll just be for this time and I won't ever do it again and I'll repent and I'll be okay. But that kind of thinking begins to build up over time and then it begins to affect you. And the bloodstream begins to affect. I'm talking about that crimson stream. Because you begin to block that. And you begin to say those kind of things that relationship with God is not important anymore. Toxic thinking can destroy you. So we have to be very careful in how we let things get in our mind. And we have to, we can't let them dictate our walk with God. We must choose to capture them. Listen, I'm not going to sit here and try to, to fool you tonight that, that bad thoughts don't come to my head. But they don't dictate how I walk. Sometimes you have to just, no. No. People come to me and ask me for advice. And I think sometimes they're wanting that sweet, kind, pastor advice. You know, oh, you know, no, that's not who I am. A dear friend of mine uh, was, was asking for advice, and they were in a place, and I just looked at them and said, stop it. Ooh, they didn't like that. Stop it. You want to know why I say that? Because that's what I have to tell myself sometimes. When, when things begin to get in my mind that can take me to a place that's not good, or, or I have a spouse who will look at me and say, stop it. And sometimes my spouse is not there. And I have to tell myself, stop it. Why don't we have this? Or why don't we go here? Why is the church not having this? And why is the church not having it? Stop it. Well, your job is not to do that. Your job is to, to preach, and to teach, and to lead. God gives the increase. But, but we're not there. I don't want that. I, I, I sit there, and if you allow yourself, and I did this in my pastorate for a while, and I, I would allow myself to entertain that toxic thought of why not us? Why, why, why isn't this happening? Why are we not here? And to the point to where I had to literally just, you know, the Lord told me one time, stop it. 
You have what a lot of folks would love to have. Stop it. So don't, don't entertain those thoughts anymore. Taking our thoughts captive is one of the toughest battles we engage in, but it's one that has to be done because I cannot stay at this level in my life with Christ and be satisfied. Cannot be. Years ago, I used to play video games. I love to play video games. And I hate it. We had a video game that my grandmother bought for us for Nintendo, and it was the greatest video, second greatest video game ever created. Tecmo Bowl was the first one. Some of you older fellas should have said amen on that. Bo Jackson was unstoppable in that game. And the second one was Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Mike Tyson's Punch-Out was the best. We stayed up, friends came over, we played it, we tried and tried. I never could get to Mike Tyson. Finally, because it drove me nuts that I was stuck on one stupid guy. And I could not level up anymore. And you have to know my OCD. I couldn't stand. I was the guy that would get the game and get the book that came with the game to know where to go and what to do. Because I had to level up. I ain't cheating. They sold the book on, you know, I had to buy the book. That's not cheating. But I got stuck for the longest time on this one level. Uh, King Hippo, I think is who it was. And I could not beat him. He knocked me out every time. It drove me nuts. And finally, after so long, I finally, after giving the game, I mean, who in here has not, you don't have to raise your hand, but has not thrown a video game controller? Who has not got mad and kicked something over? My mom raised her hand. Come on, mom. <laughs> but guys and, and ladies, too, that play games, they don't want to stay at the same level. They, they have to level up. And in Christianity, I'm using that poor analogy to try to connect the point with you that you can't just stay at the same level that when you got in that you're here now. You're the same place with God. Because in your toxic thinking, you're saying, well, I'm still going to church. I'm okay. No, you're not. Because you've never grown in Christ. If you plant a tree and all it does is just sit there and have one leaf on it every year, eventually you're going to replace that with something because it's dead. And the toxic way of thinking is saying that if I stay at the same level that I'm at now, but simply just go to church and pay my tithes and show up and, and look good and, and, and my skirt's the right length and my tie is tied just right, everything's okay. No, you're not. That toxic thinking that you're in is killing you. Because if you're not going up with God, then you're not thinking right. I don't want to be in the same place 20 years from now that I'm at right now. Well, 20 years from now, Pastor, you're not going to be able physically to do the same things. I don't have to be physical to do the same things in church. I could still verbally teach. I could still preach. I could still reach. I could still disciple. And I could still pray. And I could still praise. I could still do... But my mentality can't be just because I'm just going to stay right here. Well, I'm going to stay right here because it's comfortable. Oh, now I'm going to pastor a little bit. God done stirred me up. See, that's why some of y'all won't get involved at trunk or treat. It's because your toxic thinking is, that's not for me. I don't have kids. It's not important enough. I don't want to, now that's below me. And, and, but the reality of it is, 
we're not doing it for us. We're doing it for the community that should be important to us to get this gospel to. But our toxic thinking will be like, there's so many other things that I could be doing on this day. Listen, there's things that I could be doing on that day. That's Halloween. That's good hunting day. I could be in the woods. It's chilly and cold outside. That's good napping weather. That's the toxic way of thinking. Because the, the, the godly way of thinking is, it's my time to reach my community and maybe make a difference in somebody's life that night. So we have to capture our thoughts and say, wait a minute, I can make a thousand excuses. I can make all kinds of excuses not to, but I have to engage in the battle with this way of thinking and overcome it before it overcomes me. That's what I have to do. Well, someone said, well, I, I, Pastor, I have a problem because I keep thinking these bad thoughts. Well, the, the problem is not, it, it, don't entertain them. The problem is you can, they'll be there, but you have to battle against them. Don't sit down and have dinner with them. Battle with them. And sometimes look at yourself and say, self, stop it. It's truly is better to do it than not do it at all. And when the Bible says to take our thoughts captive, that means that we have the power to do something about it. Because the scripture wouldn't tell us to take our thoughts captive if we did not have the power. Newsflash. You are strong enough to do something about it. I, okay, you're going to you're gonna have to help me here, Pastor. We're, as Christians, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. Thoughts came in to, to him in the midst of his ministry, specifically when he was in the garden, that tried to overcome him and to try to tell him, you know, no, not me, not this, no, no, no. And he said, nah, nevertheless, not my will, thy will. One man said it this way, one, one, one apostle said it this way, I just heard this. He said, Jesus really honestly didn't die on the cross, he died in the garden. When he said, not thy will, but, but not my will, but thy will be done, he died there. And, and what we have to understand is if we give in to the toxic way of thinking, it will destroy our destiny and what we could do. What would have happened if he'd have said, that's it, I'm done? The world would have been in chaos and turmoil. We wouldn't be here today. But one man refused to give in to the thought process. He said, stop it. It's not my will that's important right now. I don't want to do this, but it's not my will. God, it's your will. Are you still with me? So with God's help, we can do it. And I know that's so Christianity cliche. With Christ. But you know what? You know what? Sorry, it's the truth. We have overplayed it so much that some of us just think like it's just a cliche. But it's true. With Christ, all things are possible. Mm, so let me talk to you about this. To give you an example of what I'm talking about. There's someone in your life you need to forgive. 
And every day, your toxic thinking reminds you of what they did to you. And you can't seem to let it go, and you can't seem to heal from it. And you might start to have thoughts like, I really don't need to forgive this person. Or what they did to me is unforgivable. Those are toxic thoughts that will take you captive and fester and cause you to get sick. Whether they ever want a relationship, whether they ever want to forgive, that's on them. You've got to worry about where you walk in. Because if you let it continue to be an issue, it will continue to cause you inner turmoil. And some of us are wondering why we're having so much strife and so much stuff going on and why are we having so much inner turmoil. It's simply because you have yet to get over an offense or hurt. Well, he didn't shake my hand. He didn't come visit me. He didn't call me. He didn't do this or that. He may not have, right or wrong. It's not a reason for you to get toxic thinking and get yourself out of alignment with Christ. In the end, you're not going to be able to walk up to heaven and look Christ in the face and saying, well, I would have done better, but they didn't shake my hand or come visit me. <laughs> there won't be no excuses. He's going to say, this walk was not about somebody else. This walk was about you. If your walk is determined on the preacher, you got problems. Your walk is not determined... By the person just gets up. Now he's going to lead you and he's going to guide you. But you've got to make the choices yourself. Because <laughs> I can lead a horse to water, but I can't make it drink no matter how much I stick its head in the pond. You have to choose truth. Sometimes we don't like the taste of truth. We don't like the taste that truth can give us sometimes that we're wrong. As adults, independent, living on our own, don't tell me I'm wrong. Well, you're wrong. You might even pray, God, I'm choosing to push this thought aside instead of entertaining it. And I know you have forgiven me of so much in my life. Help me to extend the same forgiveness to this person. Whether they're right or wrong, I have to make sure I'm right or wrong and make sure that I'm okay. Well, I've done that and I'm still a mess. Listen, don't, don't play me a fool. Don't say, well, I've done that and I've prayed and I've prayed and nothing's happening. Don't play me a fool. You don't go to the gym one time and lose 50 pounds. If that was the case, we'd all be skinny. I'd like a two-day membership, please. Nuh-uh. <laughs> and you don't get things in your mind made up right unless you do it again and again and again. <laughs> a moment over the lips is a lifetime on the hips. And it takes a whole lot of time sometimes to get that stinking thinking out of our life that's toxic and killing us. And it may not happen one time at an altar. But guess what? Did you not get blessed at that altar? Yeah, it was good. Then continue to do such until it takes. 
Here's how you know healing is occurring. I didn't say it's taking place. I said healing is occurring. Is when you look back on the situation and the sting of the pain is not as intense as it was when it first happened. There's a lot of things that we've gone through in life that we look back on and it doesn't hurt us near as much as it did then as we are now. Why? Because we have no problem in going to an altar, going to an altar daily, every day that ends in Y, every church service, pray over me, every evangelist, come pray with me, every preacher, pray with me, every pastor, pray with me, every saint of God, pray with me over and over again until no longer are the toxic thoughts controlling my mind. Well, preacher, somebody might think I'm crazy. Well, it's better off that they tell you that you're crazy to your face than just talk about it from behind your back. And I'm going to say that there's most of us sitting on pews and living life are a little bit crazy. The sanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting the same result. But I'm going to continue to do that. I'm going to continue to seek God. I'm going to continue to go. I'm going to push through the crowds. I'm going to push through the, the, the fear. I'm going to push through the pain. I'm going to push through the craziness. I'm going to push through until the toxic thoughts are out of my mind. It'll be something that happened to me. And then I can learn something from it. And it really will make me a better person in the good. Not them bad. But me, as me, better. Not haughty over top of them because I learned something and they didn't. No, you didn't learn nothing. I learned what it's like to go through pain and fight my way out of it. I've learned what it's like to be, to be hurt or be offended truthfully or to go through some issues and be able to get through them and come out better than I was before. In order to spend our mental energy on things that build up, to tear down, we have to learn to get our toxic thoughts in captivity. They, they, so, they, so what? So they can't control our minds, which in turn control our actions. How many of our actions, I'm just about done. How many of our actions are actually have been controlled because of bad way of thinking. I'm going to give you just a second to begin to think about that. Be a good time to have some Jeopardy music playing. But how many of our actions have literally been controlled because of a toxic way of thinking? Well, this one hurt me, so I'm going to hurt them. This one talked bad about me, so I'm going to talk about them. This one hurt me, and so I'm going to sit here with this hurt forever in my life, and it's going to let it fester, and it's going to take away everything out of me. I'm here to tell somebody something today. Lord willing, we're going to preach about this on Sunday, when I feel like I had a little Holy Ghost moment last night in my basement, listening to some teaching. And the Lord hit me square in the eye. 
Lord willing, we're going to talk about it on Sunday. The Lord talked to me about is that every day is a new day. Every day. Every day. It's a new day. But, but pastor, yesterday, no, 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 no. Yesterday is gone. You can't get it back. You can't reverse time. You can't walk back to get yesterday. It's gone. Today is a new day. And so I may have effects of, of reverberations and, and that from yesterday that affect me today, but today is a new day, and I can change and deflect things from yesterday and heal those things from yesterday today. I have the ability today to make yesterday completely gone. And I can't ever get to where God wants to take me to if I'm always reversed, thinking about things and letting those toxic thoughts control me and pull me back to yesterday. I cannot move forward if I'm always thinking about yesterday. Every day we get a new set of hours. We get a new set of hours to live the lives that will bring glory to God and joy to our soul. I'm done with this. Whoever can come and play, I don't know if they can or not. Uh, or somebody go to the office, my wife and them are in a meeting, get somebody, uh, or I won't stop preaching. Here comes somebody running up to the platform. Thank you. Do you know what God gave you a new day for? God did not give you a new day to make another $100. We have to make money to live, I understand. God did not give you a new set of hours, a new set of time that, that you could just simply uh, have time to make more money. He did not give you a new set of, of hours, time, that you could get things accomplished. I know we go to work, but God gave you a new day to be salt and light. Now, why would God give you a new day if you're not willing to use what God's given you the way that you should be used? You are to be a what? A good steward. And when we hear stewardship, we think of money, but it's not just money. A stewardship means the days and the hours and the time that God's given you, how have you used them to be salt and light? Our way of thinking is that I had to put my nose to the grindstone and I had to work, work, work. No, you don't. It does no, and I'm not against hard work. I'm not against people having jobs. I'm not against any of that. that. No. But if you're not making a difference in your world in salt and light, then what good are you doing? Are you constantly looking of how you can make a difference in this world? I'll say it again. You never know who you're going to come in contact with that you have done a good deed for, little things that made an impression that it's going to come back to you one way or another. Does the waiter at the waitress at your favorite restaurant when you walk in go, oh, here comes that no tipper. Cheapskate. Put my finger in his eggs when he walks, he's not looking. Oh, here comes that rude person again. I've preached it to you before and I'm going to continue to do so as long as God allows me is that we have to make sure that every day our thought process is what can I do today to change somebody's life for the better. 
an act of kindness today might not bring something today or tomorrow in their life, but years later down the road, that act of kindness that you showed didn't cost you nothing. Because really, if you've got the, 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 the Spirit of God within you, it's going to cause you to do kind things. Man, they're really nice people. Actually, they're not. They're just God-filled people. You take God out of them, they're just as nasty as anybody else. Matter of fact, you all thank God they got a little bit of spirit in them. Because if you knew them before God. <laughs> so our toxic thought is it's about me, 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 me. And everything that Jesus taught was never about self-centered Christians. But it was always about take this and give it to somebody else. Multiplication. Well, not just addition, it's multiplication and effects of how we win folks. We have to recognize that and wake up every day to a newfound respect and determination to be the boss of our thoughts, not the other way around. Amen? Let's stand.